When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to the Deconstructionists Podcast. My name is Adam Narlock. And I am John Williamson. And this is a podcast, if you've uh, just recently started tuning in, or maybe you've been listening just a little while, the Deconstructionists Podcast is a podcast that encourages you to live your journey as your journey, to live authentically, to not believe by proxy, meaning believe through somebody else, to let whoever gave you the inherited beliefs that you have, to actually engage those things yourself, pull them apart, formulate your own opinions, your own beliefs, and make it truly authentic. So we believe in a deconstructing in order to live an authentic spiritual journey, that we all have doubts, that we're not trying to convince you to doubt. We're saying that you already have doubts, and this is a safe place to bring those doubts and experience a level of anonymity, safety, grace, and then hopefully by hearing different perspectives, we will all grow in humility. Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree with that. I think what you will see once we get in actually talking about some of the resources that we used uh, for our Bible series, you're going to see a, a kind of a wide variety of, of different thoughts and backgrounds and um, perspectives. The idea isn't to say, hey, this individual, you know, N.T. Wright is the be-all, end-all, and that's the only way to look at it. <laughs> well, I mean, he is. Right, so. right. No, of no, course. No. I mean, come but. On. <laughs> <laughs> he does have the greatest voice in the world. Oh, jeez. Oh, look up his podcast. But, uh, you know, our idea is to give you as many perspectives as, as possible and, and, and give you a wide a wide view. Mm-hmm. And so hopefully you enjoy some of these. Um, we'll, we'll get talking about that. But This is our epilogue. This right. is John and I's little epilogue of the three-part Bible series that we we hope you guys really enjoyed it. We hope that that John and I uh, got some agitation going in that first episode, talking about just how to approach these old, ancient collections of writings and demystifying some of it. Um, talking about genre and uh, some big words like hermeneutics. Should I kind of explain that one, <laughs> yeah. by the way, just a little bit? Because I think hermeneutics came up. We forgot to explain what it means. (laughs) Well, no, no, we went through like the academic in the first episode. We went through like the sort of, it's the literal and literary and historical (laughs) context and the blah, blah, blah. But Adam, what does it really mean? All right, so, (laughs) dude, back in the day, I think I alluded to this in the first episode in the Bible series, I used to have um, a class that I would teach uh, in college prep, and I would teach the Bible as literature. And I would talk about 
you know, exegesis and hermeneutics and genre and all these kinds of things. And I'm talking to like 11th graders, like in a not great part of town. <laughs> and I had to like engage them. And so I was like, okay, how do I talk about how the context is really what hermeneutics is all about and how it's so important? And how do I get this across? All right. So this is what I would use. And you know what? I'd use this on anybody because this is just, it was one of those moments where it like everybody in that high school was allowed to like be on their cell phones. Oh no. In class, like nobody cared. Ugh. And so I'm seeing all these kids on their cell phones and I'm trying to get them to pay attention to me. And I'm talking about the Bible as literature and hermeneutics. And so here was my definition of what this uh, concept of hermeneutics and exegesis was. I was like, all right, guys, you've all at some point in your life, and John, this goes for you too, this goes for me, this goes to all of our listeners. At some point, <laughs> you have had the situation come about, the embarrassing situation, the mortifying situation where you click send on a text message and realize instantly that you sent that text to the wrong person. <laughs> I did that yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> it's gotten all of us in a mess of trouble before. One of my buddies is like, did, was that for me? Yeah. I'm like, no, that was actually for Adam. <laughs> like, like, you send a text. Literally, it was for you. You send a text and it's like, Girl, are you here yet? <laughs> that better be going to the right person. Yeah. And so we've all been in a situation where we know somebody is reading something intended for somebody else out of context, and it might start some smack talk, and it might start some drama, it might start some stuff between you and this other person. And wouldn't it be nice, and don't we all wish that when that message was received by that person, if they would just have done just a little work, just a little work to say, who, were you, who did you mean to send this to? What was the rest of the story behind what informed this message? I'm not gonna jump to conclusions and act like I know what you meant or what you're doing or what's going <laughs> on or read my assumptions about who you are into this message. Let's forget about what I think about this message and figure out the best I can what you meant when you originally were going to send it to the person you were going to send it to. That's all we mean when we say mm -hmm. hermeneutics and exegesis, that these collections of writings in the Bible had authors, human authors. They had human audiences. They were surrounded by human history and culture and context that informed and formed exactly what was supposed to be said what was supposed to be written down, why it was written down. Was it answering a question circulating in culture? Was it history? Was it what kind of history? What genres and subgenres were there? All of these things go into how we read. So I think that you and I kind of laid that out in the first episode right? and how important that was. We used these big words like hermeneutics and exegesis and context and mm -hmm. all these kinds of things because really the point here is to just put on some, how about some fair lenses, mm -hmm. you know, and then go at it and make your own opinions. Right. I think it's, uh, I think the one thing that we forget when we read scripture is that a lot of times we bring in our own uh, glasses, if you will, with which to read scripture. So we read in our own culture, our own socioeconomic background. Right. And so are we, are we reading scripture through our own lenses or are we allowing the scripture to speak in its own voice? Right. Right, and that's just fair, right? I mean, if you wrote something, you would want somebody to do a little bit of work and try to understand the heart and the purpose and the point and the place and the time and the situation that occasioned your 
writing. You wouldn't want people to jump to their own conclusions and make their own stuff up and let what everybody else around them mm -hmm. influence how they read what you wrote. It just wouldn't be fair. You wouldn't want somebody to do that to you. So, you know, to, to borrow from Confucius, the golden rule, you know, um, don't do anything to anybody else that you wouldn't want them to do to you. Right. And so I think even some of the subtleties within scripture that we take for granted, um, like cultural practices in those days, yeah. you know, like even today in some cultures, it's considered offensive uh, to throw up the OK sign because you know? <laughs> that means something entirely different to a different right. culture. Right. right. So right. that's an example today. Yeah. You know, now we're talking about thousands of years removed. Right. We have to we, we, we have to do a little work. Right. We have to do some work. So here's how we're going to do this. We're just going to kind of recap, give a few thoughts along the way. Mm -hmm. uh, we tweeted out um, some things that people would want us to kind of recap and recover. We're going to do our best on that. Some of them were just a little too big of questions for us to really tackle, but we so appreciate all the input. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to do some recommended reading at the end here. Yeah, let's get started. That first episode, uh, one of the things, we're already kind of talking about it, but one of the things that I think was... Uh, probably a good thing to hit on just once again, is that there's not only uh, lots of ways to use as far as interpretation of scripture, there's tools to use to help you get the meaning out, but then there's also different ways to read it. There's a literal sense, there's a metaphorical sense, there's even allegory, there's hmm. uh, mystery, there's all of these different things. And, you know, I just, I gotta say it again, I think the biggest problem with how people have heard about scripture, which makes them not want to read it. It's like, why would I want to read that? That is the craziest stuff I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> that's why you should read I it. I know, that's right, <laughs> seriously. Um, but that's because this literal reading of scripture, reading it all is literal, not having any room for what the early church fathers were very comfortable with, mystery, analogy, mm -hmm. metaphor, all of these kinds of readings of ancient texts and spiritual practices were so common and so assumed up until about 300 years ago, the right. end of the 18th century, right. where you have this proliferation of logical, rational thinking coming out of Europe, coming out of the West, blending with different streams of thought. You had empiricism, you had... Um, you know, the pragmatism coming out of the United States with guys like William James, you had John Locke and you had Kant and his critique of pure reason. You had all of this unbelievably scrutinizing thought blending with the proliferation of modern observational science. Mm -hmm. All of these things up till this point weren't a problem for scripture. People allowed things to be mysterious. They didn't care. It wasn't a big deal. There was lots of ways to enter into a text, allow it to envelop you in mystery and metaphor and wonder and big question marks. You didn't have to know. And then when science and rationality hit the scene and start to make a mess of things a little bit and make reason and observational science becomes the new god of culture the christians kind of retreated into their caves a little bit and started clinging to this new literal interpretation of scripture because scripture was their everything the protestant reformation had just started a couple hundred years ago if that and one of the tenets of the protestant reformation was scripture only mm, sola right. scriptura 
-hmm. They held it up as their main authority in life. And now all of these things were happening in culture, in politics, in science that were looking like they were combating scripture. And this literal interpretation of scripture became king. And it's not the only way to read scripture. Right. And a lot of historians, a lot of scholars argue that this literal factual interpretation of scripture not only came about during the 19th and 20th centuries, but really started to become ingrained into the way that we, we view scripture during the second and third generations after the Reformation started. You know, these claims of infallibility were made and that sort of thing. But the historical metaphorical way of looking at scripture, you know, has been the predominant uh, way of reading scripture long before that. Right. And, and uh, I think that's what we're trying to get people to see is that there is a way of reading scripture that unlocks you know, a lot deeper meaning. Oh my gosh, layer upon layer. I mean, the endless possibilities. Like if literal is the only chance, then then you have to look at scripture like a Scantron test. Right. And you better get the right, you better take your number two pencil <laughs> and bubble in the right answer. And and when you get that sucker back, mm. you better, if you didn't get it right this time, then you better get it right next time because that's what it's all about, being right, being literally right. There's only one way to read it. And yet there's all these people that are arguing about that one way to read it. I like a little bit more of what the early church fathers, i.e. a a guy named Origen, who was absolutely unbelievable. He was one of the most brilliant, influential thinkers in the early Christian scene. He had Greek and Jewish background. He was educated in Alexandria. He did midrash with the rabbis in Palestine. I mean, this guy was an absolute beast. He learned Hebrew. He was consulting with rabbis. He knew about Jewish lore. He knew about the Holy Land. He was Greek educated. I mean, this guy was just a beast. And he would talk about these different ways to read scripture. He would talk about that it had a mystical meaning and that In fact, initiates into reading scripture were called mysties because they were initiated into the mystery of scripture to be transformed. And so he would talk about it having a literal sense, which was first level, which you had to get that first before you could progress to anything higher. So once you got the literal sense, Origen said that then you would move to the moral sense. And after, if the literal sense was like the body, the moral sense was like the psyche, And then after that, after that ethical guidance, you could pass to the end to the spiritual sense, which he called the allegorical sense, which would start to reinterpret all of life in this endless, wonderful journey of transformation. That is so much better than looking at scriptures like this stupid Scantron test that you've <laughs> got to get right. I mean, and these were guys that were considered like orthodox, not fringe. Right. But now, nowadays that sounds fringe. Sorry, I had to nerd out there for a second. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that was kind of, I think that kind of wraps up like the first episode. Yeah. And then we had the freaking awesome <sighs> <laughs> Dr. Timothy... Mackie, T Mac. Now the the thing what about a, this what guy, an amazing guy. There, he has so much work out in the interwebs. Um, you need to go to his website. You need to check out the Bible Project, the animated videos they're doing. But he just has lectures. Oh man, for free. Oh, for free. For free. Um, go to timmackie.com. Yes. Oh man. So the thing I want to point out real quick before we dive. Do you into think this, we're friends with him? Would I he hope, consider us I hope friends? So man, I we might have to learn to skateboard. But... <laughs> Dude, I I'd be to, willing to do that. I used to inline. 
Can I, can I rollerblade with you when you skateboard and teach the Bible? I think that would be the first time he would be like, absolutely not. He'd be like, dude, go home. <laughs> go just, back to He'd just end the call. But uh, I, one thing I want to point out, though, about um, episodes two and three, are these are just really tiny snippets. Oh, man. Like, this series was not at all intended to be an all-encompassing uh, thing. It was an appetizer. Appetizer. So we are going to continue to come back to Scripture in the future. Over and over. Like, let's keep in mind... We've only been going for uh, not even two months, so dude, I'm we tired. Will... <laughs> Adam and I, by the way, figured out the other day. We sat down and mapped out. We took the last two weeks off, and we've just been resting. Yes, and we figured out that we are covered through the end of t- 2016. Yeah, we're into 2017. <laughs> so we are into 2017. So we've got a ton of stuff coming, and we oh, especially since I, you know what? I think I can say this too. What's that? Dr. Shia is coming back. Oh, coming back. Oh, yeah. We've already got a Dr. Alexander Shia part two in the works. Yes. It's booked. We're figuring out what what exactly we're going to cover, but who even cares at this point? I don't care. Uh, if any of you guys have heard his his Christmas talk on oh, Rob Bell's podcast in, back in December, I mean, wow. Like, I cannot, I cannot wait, but... Um, like I said, these are just appetizers. These are just little, like just little glimpses, little snapshots. So the idea is that you know we're gonna wet your appetite a little bit. Obviously, revisit, have these people back in the future, but also, you know, we're gonna give you the resources that that we used. Um, obviously, the Bible being number one, we're gonna throw a ton of crap at you guys. So that's what this kind of epilogue is. It's like kind of right. here's where we went, here's where we're going, here's right. some more ideas. We can only describe how delicious Jenny's ice cream is until you have to go get it yourself. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of what we're up to. Absolutely. So, okay. So the, the Tim Mackey episode, I think a couple of things that stick out to me. Going back to mystery again, like mm. this book, if you want to read it for what it says that it is and right. not other people that kind of try to tell it it's something that it's not or whatever, because uh, there are people out there that are like that. And you should read those people, too. I'm reading one right, right now that I'm really enjoying that I, I think maybe has it wrong a little bit, but I'm still enjoying the perspective. <laughs> but the mystery of the Bible is that it's this human collection of writings that's somehow also divine. Or it's a divine collection of writings that are somehow human. And that you're not going to start to really enter into what it says it is unless you kind of try to hold that tension together, just like Jesus is this really weird thing that it took the first Christians hundreds of years, literally, to start to learn how to figure out the vocabulary. How do we talk about this guy? Like, right. he's human, but he's not just human. Right. He's divine, but he was definitely human. Right. What the... <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I think that was one of my favorite highlights of the Mackie interview and how, you know, don't look at scripture as like this Old Testament kind of standalone and then you've got the New Testament and what do you do? Start with the guy that holds it all together. Right. The force that holds it all together, the Christ, Jesus, and use that as the way you approach the rest of it. Right. And we're going to we're going to recommend some books and some resources to kind of help you do that because if you're here and you've you're listening and you've never thought of it that way before. That's interesting, but you're also look going, well, yeah, guy's great, but how the freaking crap do I do that? <laughs> and um, congratulations, we don't really know either. 
we've got some suggestions <laughs> and we're trying and it definitely does make a big difference but it look it keeps you a lot further away from any of the quote unquote answers you might be looking for because it's it's inviting you into a divine human encounter, a divine human narrative that's not meant to give you answers, but it's designed to like transform you, which is what all religion everywhere was always intended to do, inviting you into something so it's transformational. So right. anything else from the, the Tim Mackey episode that you, you wanted to double back on? No, I, th- I think just the main point that Mackey discusses both on our podcast and in some of his lectures that he's done recently um, the fact that there are very human fingerprints found within scripture that were left there intentionally intentionally this is not a scandalous thing you can see it there it's right it's right there in in the writings and it's it's this very very real group of people describing their relationship with the divine Mm. and uh it's beautiful and it should not in any way take away from these truths and these these um, experiences and these right. stories uh, contained within. Because I think a lot of people um, who have thought they had a problem with Scripture in the past mm-hmm. are like, wait a second, you're basing your life on this book that's so inconsistent <laughs> and so paradoxical and so contradictory. And it's like, yeah, well, wait a second. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Why is that a problem? Like, I... I used to think I needed to like defend that and say, "Oh, it doesn't have any contradictions," and it, you know, it's it's completely right. coherent. I can explain every single one of those away. When the Bible itself is like, "Oh no, no, no," there's like a whole lot of crazy, irreconcilable weirdness in here. Because yeah. guess guess what? Humans wrote this. Yeah, nobody got together and had like a huddle before time began and was like, "All right, here's how we're gonna lay out scripture, man." Like you take right. this and you take that. You better dot that I and cross that T. I mean. It's human. It's messy. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make sense sometimes. Well, and once you realize too that that this did not start out as a book, you know that these were collected at some point throughout history, right. into one book, right? But they started out as just you know different authors writing in different genres, right? Like, dude, I didn't even know until not that long ago um, that there is a genre called apocryphal yes. writings. Yes. What? Yeah. Just oh, a form it's wacky. of writing. It's wacky. Just about, like, that's extremely metaphorical. Yeah. And just describes, you know, the end times, essentially. Yeah, it's like apocalyptic apocryphal. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, that's the in there. <laughs> big, big fancy $10 theological words like eschatology. Right. Make me feel like a big guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, Okay. Good. That was Tim Mackey, and he said he would also come back as well. So maybe we can just do another round of some some cool stuff there. But then, oh, yeah. Alexander Shia, Guys. Alexander freaking Shia, <laughs> and taking us into this, he really pulled in the idea of myth mm-hmm. coming from you know Jungian archetypes when right. he was educated at Notre Dame and Joseph Campbell and the hero's journey. And if you guys don't know anything about Joseph Campbell, first place to start, just pull up it's literally on the star wars like fan page yeah the interview with george lucas and joseph campbell Mm -hmm. about how when george lucas got exposed to this guy's teachings about how there is this archetypal hero's journey that has been present in every Mm -hmm. culture every spirituality every mythology every religion since the Mm -hmm. dawn of time yep and how that actually makes a difference he brings this stuff in and just he only talked about the gospels a little bit like just Just a taste just wet our appetites just a little (laughs) bit and so looking at these gospels as witnesses 
to a transformational journey that mm-hmm. we are invited into, not something to dissect like a historical biography and, you know, pinpointing when did this happen and who said what and where and how and when and no, 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 no. But to instead that these gospels, Dr. Shia would point out that they were written to answer questions about a journey that we are all taking part in. Right. And, oh. and the the thing that I loved about it though is is that his his idea of these four paths also kind of speak to one of the biggest uh, questions that a lot of folks have, both uh, you know religious, non-religious, and that is, what about these discrepancies within the four gospels? Right, exactly. You know, like you know, in, in the Gospel of John, at the, at the very beginning of the Gospel of John, we see that scene where Jesus overturns the the money tables at the right, temple, right? Very early on. And then the other three Gospels uh, that we refer to as the Synoptic Gospels, it happens towards the end before right. he's crucified. Right. So what's the deal with that, man? You know, but with Shia's four paths, he, what he's saying is like, look, you know, the, the authors and, and the people who were involved in the canonization, you know, basically the selection of which Gospels would be included— not only knew that, they didn't care. That wasn't the point. They took liberties on purpose because their point was something higher than autobiographical reporting. They had communities that were starting to experience the transforming power of what Shia calls the Christ. Mm. This this resurrection, spirit, invitation, whatever. I mean, words start right. to fail when you start to talk. But a, a, a whole community... Uh, that was completely diverse, not tied to blood, not tied to religion, not tied to you know geographic geocentricity, but all tribes, all kinds of peoples, all colors, all classes are being transformed and starting to share things and starting to experience this freedom and this beauty and this transformation together. Right. And the temple gets destroyed. They're being burned, pulled apart, tortured, Society is crazy, and these gospels were written to help them continue the journey right. with this Christness. Mm-hmm. Dang, I know. <laughs> and so every gospel had a question. So Matthew was, "How do we move through change?" We're a Jewish community. That's a very Jewish gospel, and the temple, which is this epicenter of Jewish culture, just got destroyed, and the priesthood was massacred. So how do we move through this? Mm-hmm. You've been through a tragedy. If you're listening to this, you've been through something that's left you standing there, going, "What just happened?" Everything I know about who I am is now compromised. How do I keep moving forward? And what the invitation in the Gospel of Matthew is, here is how the Christ and your union with the Christ takes you forward through this. Uh, the thing that I love that, that I took away from it, too, is that the early Christians, you know, we, we tend to respond in the same way where, you know, if... The, the church gets burned down, for example, you know, or, or the, in their case, the temple. And we're like, oh, no. Oh, man. What are we going to do? Or a pastor has an affair or yeah. somebody stops believing that you know mm-hmm. or, man. But but the, the idea is that, look, like your faith and your ability to experience the Christ is not contingent on this physical place. Wow. You know, it, it's it's the Christ is everywhere. <laughs> you can find him everywhere and anywhere so keep going forward right 
that's the invitation forward. Man, I love that. Man, I love that too. <laughs> like he didn't name the mountain. Yes. At the end. That was my favorite oh, part. Dude, go back and listen to it. Anyway, so then going into Mark, which is all about this life of suffering. So the, the Christians were a persecuted class of people. They were actually considered atheists at the time because they didn't support polytheistic religion of Rome at the, at the time. They didn't call Caesar God. And so they were actually called atheists and they were they were looked at as troublemakers. They were in up, uh, you know, disrupting the apple cart. They had these love feasts that were called communion feasts where there was no class. Men and women and slaves and 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 landowners and you know beggars, widows and businessmen and officials all sat at the same table and took part in the same ritual and the same sacrament. And that caused Nero and other leaders to blame them and persecute them. And yep. they were getting fed to lions in the Circus Maximus. And so you've got this gritty, raw, short, powerful, fast-moving gospel in Mark that gives people this you know, invitation into this whirlwind of the power of the Christ to overcome suffering. I mean, he's this really powerful guy. In the Gospel of Mark, he's constantly doing miracles and casting out demons and uh, authority, like combating authorities and all these kinds of things. And it's just nuts. And so this question, how do we progress through suffering, then leads us into John, which is out of suffering. You always start to then experience when you finally get through it, it's joy, it's ecstasy, it's transcendence and if you read the gospel of john it is almost otherworldly it sticks out like a sore thumb i mean it's just crazy and it invites you into this experience of the christ that is more than you could have ever put words to and john just does an amazing job at that unbelievable and it's out there on amazon you can get a copy of heart and mind heart and mind we we had to get a copy and it's unreal um it takes you even further and there are some mini podcasts yeah there's there, that he did he has a podcast where he explains every path mm. and every gospel yep and then there's actually like um it's not like small group material but it's like extra study material yeah. That you can get. Um, it's called the Quadratus Journey. It's absolutely fantastic, mm-hmm. and yeah, check out uh, the Doctor Shia episode. And man, what a fun series! Super the fun. Bible episode has been. I just have one thing that I want to say before we get into the recommended reading. Yeah, go for uh, it. One of the things that I've noticed that I just want to just kind of lovingly challenge. So we're doing this podcast, and you and I are sitting here because we want to deconstruct the way we see things. We want to invite lots of other perspectives in. We want to hear and see things different and let whatever is actually leading all of us and holding all of us up, call it grace, call it the spirit, call it Christ, call it God, call it the universe, whatever you want to call it. We want to engage authentically with that and not believe by proxy, not let our pastor believe for us, not let uh, the papacy just believe for us, not let our parents believe for us or our friends believe for us, but you do the work. It's your journey. It's your mm. life. The breath is going in and out of your lungs. It's your heart that's beating. It's your context. Like, own it. Okay, so, <laughs> mini rant. So one of the things, I'd love to get your thoughts. One of the things that I see happening, just a little bit, and I'm guilty of it too, (laughs) is a new kind of belief by proxy that I'm seeing in this um, obsessive reading Mm -hmm. that you and I both do. 
tons of podcast listening, mm -hmm. all these kinds of things, you start to collect almost a new stream. True. You start to collect a new stream and you start to almost let it journey for you in new ways. So, for example, we're doing a Bible series right now, mm -hmm. right? I should be reading the Bible myself and all of our listeners should be, I don't care who you are, engage with the Bible. Like, we're going to do an episode eventually. Uh, I just talked to somebody today. We're going to get, uh, we're going to do an, an episode on the Quran. Uh, hopefully, we do some episodes on Hinduism and Buddhism later. And it would be a travesty if all I did was to listen to a couple podcasts, read a couple footnotes and a couple books, and didn't actually engage with the text yeah. itself and, and, and look at it and let it wash over me and encounter it and wrestle with it and engage with it. Because then all we're really doing is a new kind of belief by proxy. Right. And it makes me think of that scene... <laughs> In Goodwill Hunting, that everybody loves, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about in the bar yep. when Ben Affleck is trying to like spit some game at Mini Driver. Yeah, and the the Harvard dude with the ponytail who's real smug and condescending <laughs> right. comes up to him and he's like, "What class was that?" And he's like, "History." And he's like, "I remember that class. Yeah, it was after recess, you know, but yeah. before lunch or you know whatever." Just yeah. saying like, "You don't go to school here, man." And Matt Damon comes up and kind of starts intellectually sparring with him and making him yeah. feel like a total chump. Yeah. And one of the things that Matt Damon kind of points out uh, or Goodwill Hunting or Will Hunting or whatever in the movie kind of points out is he's like, all you're doing is plagiarizing. He's mm. like, you, that's all you are. That's all you do is you collect things that other people have said and pass them off as your own material. Yeah. You're not actually doing the work. Do you have any original thoughts on this or do you just want to plagiarize it all for us? Right, right. And man, like when I was doing all this work, John, like that, I just recently saw that again and that convicted me. And I'm like, I got to be careful that I'm not setting up a new kind of belief by proxy, mm -hmm. a new kind of plagiarism that acts like belief, that acts like a spiritual journey, but it's really not because you're really not doing the work of reflection, mm -hmm. contemplation, engaging with the text, right? And allowing it to change you. You're just collecting opinions and using them probably to protect that same ego that has maybe just gone through a little bit of a change. So I hope nobody takes offense by that. I, I just want better for everybody. I want us right. to actually be as authentic as I know we all can and, and be changed by the compassion and grace and humility that comes with that. I think that's a great point. I think scripture is or can be a very daunting task. I mean, let's be honest. When so we, much. When we get into the beginning of, uh, of the Old Testament, man, there is some dry stuff in there. When Dude. we're going through genealogy. Oh, <laughs> gross. I'll be honest. <laughs> I, I probably skipped through that part. I read first and second chronicles instead of taking an Ambien. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah. But I mean, in there are portions of it that are difficult. It, it's going to take some work, but I think the payoff is huge. I think there are resources out there, some of which we are about to give you, um, that will help yeah. you kind of pick through it. And um like I, I had a conversation with with with, uh, with a friend not too long ago. Yeah, I said, Yeah, it, it is it is can be difficult and it and it definitely is work but you know it's worth doing if you if you want to pull out the you know the correct meaning out of it you know it's it's yeah. easy to do this verse a day devotional thing but you're going to be missing everything surrounding that yes um I, I think that can be dangerous um so yeah i i would just encourage people out there to 
There's some really great Bible plans. In fact, one that I would pitch that you got me tuned into was the one put out by The Bible Project with yes. Dr. Timothy Mackey. Yes. Super fun. Um, it breaks it up in a in a in bite-sized chunks, and then at the end you get this really awesome high-quality um, animated video with uh, Dr. Mackey dropping sweet knowledge oh, on you. Oh man, he's so good. And his partner, I mean, just does phenomenal animations. And so I cannot recommend that um, enough as as just a resource to kind of like some of the things that you know are are super super dense. Um, they just have this really great way of breaking it down in this really easy to understand type of type of way oh man they do such a good job that is a number one resource and then what what dr Mackey recommended is his number one resource was mm-hmm. john salehammer's little compact commentary so and good the, and the reason you want to use a commentary is it's just like having at least one even if it mm-hmm. is only one just teacher sage wise person right chilling with you ready to spit some wisdom at you when you read that passage and you're like say what <laughs> You know, you can crack that little green sucker open and just mm-hmm. at least get a little light thrown on it from a guy who is so deep and so cool. Yeah. And, um, and it's yeah. the compact version, so it's adorable. It's so cute. It's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> we both have the same version. So there's that. Um, I'm going to throw out another one. Um, yeah. I'm currently reading uh, a book that isn't really a Bible resource, but it got me realizing that she has a really great Bible resource, and I've, I've looked through it as well, and I, I do recommend it as just another outside perspective. Uh, Karen, you pronounce it Karen even though it's spelled Karen, Armstrong, who I did not um, know, that. is a historian. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Bill Moyers even, helped me with that one. Even cooler. Yeah, Bill Moyers helped me with that one. It is cooler. <laughs> and she is just an incredible historian of religion, oh, uh, Oxford brilliant. educated. We're gonna try to get her on the show, Karen. If you're listening, which we know you're not, please, <laughs> please, please come on the show. Uh, she's not a Christian, but she's absolutely fair, and she's wonderful, and she has uh, the Bible. The biography. She wrote a biography of the Bible, and a lot of what she says is coming from multiple different perspectives. And she does a great job distilling it all. And I can't recommend her highly enough. Um, I'm going to rec- recommend one more since this is a podcast about deconstruction. Mm, um, indeed. Uh, one of the kind of fathers of deconstruction is Derrida, and um, he started this kind of stream of pupils. That has led down to because he, he actually only just died and I think in the eighties, late eighties, early nineties. We just missed him. Oh, just missed him. <laughs> we should have started this podcast twenty twenty five years ago. When we were twelve. <laughs> <laughs> but um down down the down the line, um, a philosopher named James K. A. Smith has a book called Who's Afraid of Postmodernism? And chapter two in the book is a look at scripture from a deconstructionist point of view. So some of you are going to find that really, really interesting. And the, the chapter title is Nothing Outside the Text, question mark, Derrida, Deconstruction, and Scripture. Highly recommend that. Take a look at that. It's just going to give you some more uh, perspective on scripture. What else you got? One of the books that I found extremely useful, and I've really grown to just really enjoy this guy um, as a scholar, is, is Marcus Borg. Borg. Um, I read a couple books actually. One, one. Dude, you're you're a Borgite. I kind of became Dude. a yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've, I've knocked I, out a couple. You got me started on a man, and I love him now. Dude, he's such a just gentle, warm hug. You he's know, fair too, and he's brilliant. So good. And what's interesting is is even though he's definitely you know more on the liberal end than like say an nt right these guys were like very good friends 
and I I can almost visualize them having tea and like the inklings, just kind of know, sitting in a each pub. other, yes, yeah, yeah. in a pub. Be like, ah, I don't know about that, dude. Well, I don't know about this, you know. And then yeah. you know, just having a great time together, yeah. speaking in language that we don't understand. That's <laughs> being from, way smarter than from, we'll ever be from Middle Earth or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of th- thighs and vows. Um, <laughs> but he wrote a book called "Reading the Bible Again for the First Time: Taking the Bible Seriously but Not Literally." And he really breaks down the historical metaphorical approach, just really goes into the fact that the Bible is written in many, a multitude of different genres. And um, just really, I mean, for me, the last chapter was this just frosting chapter where it was about breaking down the metaphors used uh, within Revelations and just kind of... Man, it was so beautiful in the way that he just unlocked that for me. I just um, stay away from that book. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Revelation, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just scares the crap out of me. You got dragons eating babies and oh. weird crap happening. Yeah, you read that last chapter of the Borg book, and it, it definitely takes on a whole new meaning and uh, very interesting. But uh, also the a, a book that he wrote called the, the God We Never Knew is also another good one. Another one that if you have a hard time getting through this dense textbook type stuff, uh, Jesus Wants to Save Christians is a book that's a really quick read that I think you and I both read at one point uh, by Rob Bell and another gentleman. I can't remember the other guy's uh, name, but um, very, very easy read. uh, Very quick to get through. Yes. Um, Kind of a high level overview, but kind of talks about, again, reading things within the context of metaphor. Um, And then if you really want to get out there, (laughs) <laughs> way out there way out there in the wing uh rescuing the bible from fun- fundamentalism by john shelby spong bishop spong <laughs> uh, um definitely uh, <laughs> he's out there he's out there man <laughs> but i can't lie i really enjoyed reading dude it. no that, it, there's it was good fun. stuff in there man that it's silly to say you know this is yeah. the only thing to read you know that we're we're trying to oppose that line of thinking right and adam knows that i i really enjoy um just reading like that's what i love about you man this rainbow this (laughs) broad array kaleidoscope i know yeah so it's good but yeah so good i think you can learn from from everyone all right i'm gonna drop something totally esoteric on you guys and i I, I, I don't apologize (laughs) do Um, it if you want one of the things that dr Mackey was talking about is um so jesus was this really incredible person that not a lot of people have a problem with Mm -hmm. and they really find him pretty attractive they just wish that more people actually looked like him that claim to follow him and if we could actually read scripture through the lens of Jesus, and yes. uh, theologians call this Christocentric reading of scripture, and one of the best books that I've ever read on this is by a the- theologian named Edmund P. Clowney, and we'll put that in the show notes, but the book is called The Unfolding Mystery, and it's specific to the Old Testament because Jesus is pretty obvious in the New Testament, but discovering Christ in the Old Testament and it essentially is just a look at a what theologians call typology, that there were these hints of the Christ, these types, shadows, symbols, uh, not necessarily allegory, but yeah, almost like metaphor mm-hmm. for this, this is what we need, and this won't do, that didn't work. And it actually is, you know, an anti-point anti pointing to what we do need. So, you know, all these kings failed because we need a true good king. Um, that would be a Christocentric reading of like kings. And, you know, all these prophets didn't work 
because we need a true prophet. And all these priests just had to keep offering all these sacrifices because what we really needed was like a true priest and a true sacrifice. So there's this like, it almost feels like you're reading the Bible in like this code. Mm-hmm. But uh, as a Christian, we do read it differently than the original like Jewish and Hebrew people read it. So pretty, just weird book, just <laughs> a, a really weird, esoteric, unique perspective that I found a lot of peace and hope and comfort in when I was struggling with what the heck do I do with this wacky Old Testament? Um, there's got to be something more about it that I'm not that I'm not seeing, and that's one of the places that I would definitely go. And then, NT, did you already say the NT Wright book? No, no, go ahead. Scripture and the authority of God. One of the worst parts about having to deal with the concept of scripture is this wacky, weird authority <laughs> thing, inerrancy and authority, and does it tell me what to do, and does it form my life, and what does that mean, and why mm. is that so uncomfortable, and what are we actually doing with that? So definitely check out that book as well. And we'll put these all in the show notes. Right. And then, um, again, we, we mentioned the Bible project earlier. Um, they just are a wealth of resources. Um, and then, uh, the other two that I would, I would recommend, highly recommend, uh, a book called very short book, uh, called struggling with scripture by Walter Brueggemann. Oh yeah. And we're going to have Dr. Brueggemann on. Oh, are we? Well, eventually (laughs) we're going to get him. (laughs) We're trying. Yeah. Yeah. Dang it. Mm. It's too late now. You can't take it back. (laughs) And then followed by another book by a guy we will definitely not have on the show because I'm pretty sure he's dead. Um, The Prophets by Abraham Heschel. Oh, yes. So if you you really want to read everything Abraham Joshua Heschel has ever written. Just an expert on Old Testament. Um, Just, yeah. Some very (laughs) thick books, but oh my gosh. Like if you look at... Any Old Testament scholar, like almost every single time in their in their footnotes, they're pulling from Heschel. Man, they're yeah, incredible. Um, one last one that I'd like to bring out from a Jewish perspective: um, Robert Alter, mm. a Jewish scholar, um, writes about how to read the Old Testament, um, how to read biblical narrative. Uh, there's a different, it is a unique ancient genre and you can get his books at Barnes and Noble. He is very, very revered, very respected Jewish scholar, Robert Alter. And, uh, Robert Alter is just fantastic. Also, uh, some great tools and resources there. So I think that's it. That's our epilogue. Nice. So hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Like we said before, we were we are definitely coming around for multiple more laps. Um, oh, we've got to do more. There's so much. We got to hit Paul. Oh yeah. Um, and we're going to, we're going to get discussing this stuff, but don't worry. We're also working on, um, you know, we figure Jesus probably deserves his own trilogy. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Jesus trilogy. So that's one we're definitely working on. And, um, we're kind of waiting. We have a couple people in mind that we really like to do, um, at least two of those episodes. We've got some science episodes cooking, some yeah. philosophy episodes cooking. We've oh, got man. some really, really cool guests coming our, on. Our music, our ongoing um, artist and musician series is about to kick off in a couple weeks, um, and we've got more to follow. Yeah. So that's going to be really cool. Um, a little different flavor, I think. Oh, yeah. just That's going to be all over the map. It's just mm-hmm. um, whoever we sort of get led to and um, agree to do it, uh, we just think that art and music is such an important part of an authentic spiritual journey. It does something that words can't. Right. And so artists and musicians are very important to what we do. So outside of that, yeah, 
you guys think of anybody that you would really like to see um, on the show, uh, continue to bug us on on uh, Instagram, on Facebook, um, on uh, Twitter, um, and feel free to bug them as well. Yep. Uh, we actually have had a couple guests who have agreed to come on the show. Just um, because you guys recommended it. Yeah, you guys tweeted at them, and uh, they got back to us, and and uh, so we're, we're open to suggestions. We are definitely, oh, we yeah. heard, heard the feedback. We are... Um, Obviously, you guys can't really see, you know, who we're, you know, in talks with in regards to like future episodes. But uh, we are definitely working on um, a diverse background of people, um, women, um, you know, uh, people from different, you know, religious backgrounds, that sort of thing. So um, just give us, uh, give us a little time. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely get them in there. Absolutely. Um, we're kind of working with whoever says yes first. So yep, <laughs> yep. So, but there, there are some uh, really cool guests coming from some very different backgrounds that we're really super excited about to share. So hang in there. You're going to see some new stuff coming your way very soon. And again, thank you guys all for bringing your openness and your doubts and mm. your, your, your disbelief and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm going to keep journeying and I'm going to be open and I'm going to be honest. We love the feedback and the emails that we get and yeah. uh, the support. Thank you so much to our generous donors. We, we oh my really, gosh can't do this without you without probably risking divorce <laughs> because it is expensive yeah and we do you know have to buy books and equipment and you know there's just so much that goes into it so any small gift if you want to go to www.thedeconstructionists.com and click donate uh 5 10 25 thank you so much to everybody that's already donated we just we we love you. We feel like we're all in this together, and this right. is such a cool space that you guys have allowed us to create and invite you into, and we don't take one moment of this for granted. So please forgive my over-enthusiasticness when, <laughs> when I interview these people. I can't help it. I'm a pure extrovert, and <laughs> I love it so much. This is all so exciting for me. So yeah, uh, thanks for dealing with us on that and all the little glitches with sound. We're still figuring this out. We're rookies, but you guys have been so patient, and we love, love, love you. So that is the, the epilogue yeah. to the Bible series, and we are the Deconstructionists. My name is Adam Narlock. And I'm John Williamson. Keep deconstructing, everyone. <laughs> <laughs>